0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore Data. Well, the official count is eight days away. And since I talked about it yesterday, I want to start off with the fact that um, I mentioned the second most accurate mock drafter, maybe arguably the most accurate mock drafter again, because 2016 was rough, Ryan McChrystal of draft ace. So I I guess the, the way to say this is by far the most accurate drafter over the last four years. He updated his mock draft. So I don't know if this is like the last, last one, but his new pick for the Packers is Christian Barmore, defensive tackle out of Alabama. So, um, still nothing super crazy. I did find one that I thought was crazy, but apparently, um, it said it was from April, like April 7th. And I was like, dude, this is a crazy pick. This feels like a Packers pick. Turns out it was from last April. It was a way, way, way too early 2021 pick prior to even the 2020 draft. But yeah, so uh, Mr. Extremely Accurate. And actually, let me look if uh, he's got an archives section, but he's obviously not keeping it up because the last thing he archived was 2011. So, um, The guy that's number three on this list is Ben Standig, I think is his name. Um, he wrote a little blurb most recently in his most recent mock, I guess, had the Packers taken Landon Dickerson. That's very unlikely. I've seen that before. The Packers taking a center. Not only is it unlikely because, I mean, it's a center, which again, I mean, center to go in the first round and the Packers could obviously do it. Um, I don't condone it, but they could do. It. I mean, they took Elton Jenkins in the second. This isn't too far of a pick from that, but also apparently some of the uh, medicals from Landon Dickerson were not very good, which I guess you can kind of expect. But um, it's not what you wanted to hear, I guess. And I, I don't know the full extent, but that was just that was the blurb I heard. News about Landon Dickerson is not great. So um, I'm, de- I'm guessing that was not his final answer as far as mock drafts go, but I think he's going to want to refine that a little bit. Which really, that's that's all having a really good draft is about, is parsing through all the information. The more you know about medicals, the more you know, the more information you have from people on the inside in terms of just where people are going to go, the better chance you're going to have... You know, the more you're paying attention, what teams need, what the GMs and coaches have said. You know, I was listening to somebody talk about the Detroit Lions yesterday talking about, you know, everybody's saying wide receiver. But you got Mr. Bitey Kneecaps talking about we're going to bring in a culture that's tough and rough and gruff and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, it's hard to follow that up with a wide receiver. Although I think the available wide receiver slash Kyle Pitts, who could be there, um, are absolutely fitting that mold. I mean, you don't usually think about that as wide receivers. But, I mean, Jamar Chase is a big boy, and obviously Kyle Pitts is, is a tight end, which, you know, he's a big guy. But, I mean, it's just stuff like that where you, as soon as I heard that, although I don't necessarily agree, it's like, oh, yeah, I could see that, actually. Wanting to go out and get, uh, you know, either an offensive lineman, possibly they trade back because they want to get, like, a big scary edge rusher and there's no real good value there. Plus they get, um, get some additional picks, and they have a lot that they need to do. Um, I think that same podcast they talked about – Uh, the Patriots trading up for a quarterback. And I'm like, dude, why wouldn't the Lions just take a quarterback? But from that standpoint, you can kind of see it a little bit, especially when, you know, you're talking about, let's say, Mac Jones and or Trey Lance are there. It's like, do you really want to just put your – like, 100%. Trey Lance played for a small school, didn't play at all last year. You don't have to take a quarterback every year if you need one. You can wait. Wait for better opportunities with better quarterbacks. I mean, case in point, Jacksonville could have taken – uh, dwayne Haskins if they really wanted to at seven. they could have it was an option. it was available. i mean they just they just missed out on Daniel Jones off shucks. I mean can you ima- I mean just think about the horror of that. I mean granted they would still be needing a quarterback and probably wouldn't have had much of a better record at this particular point. but point is you don't have to just take a swing at um quarterback just because you're there and there's a quarterback available. Fortunately, they didn't. They picked other players, and now they have the number one overall pick with one of the better quarterback prospects to come through the draft, just sitting right in their lap. So I don't know. I'm I'm trying to work through my final official mock draft, and I'm I'm stuck on the Lions. I made it to the Lions, um, and I just I, I I think I have my pick, and I, I kind of gave it away, but um, it is tough, you know. I mean, and again, that's that's kind of the biggest thing is really understanding the needs, but really understanding the GMs, the tendencies the uh, the things that they've said, you gotta look at the future situation with what's gonna happen 2022, 2023, the cap situation, uh the the picks. Do they not have any picks then? You might want to have them trade back to acquire more if they have a ton. Maybe they're looking to move up. Are they in teardown mode? Are they in rebuild mode? Are they um, you know, like Denver where you could say they're they're kinda like one, you know, one really good quarterback away from probably being a pretty dominant football team. They got they're stacked at wide receiver. They've got a decent offensive line. The defense is is pretty well put together. They invested a ton in, you know, weapons, receivers, tight ends, etc., cetera, and uh, nobody to throw them to. So, you know, if, if people are really good at mock drafts, it's probably because they just work really hard at it, at, at understanding, remembering things, putting all the puzzle pieces together. So that's why it's kind of, that's why I like to look at people with a good track record as opposed to just pulling up any old mock draft, which is fine. It's all good and, and fun anyways, at least as far as a thought exercise but if there's people that consistently year over year are putting the puzzle together more correctly, it's probably just because they're using a bigger body of information and are using that plus experience to inform their mock drafts, and that's why they keep coming up with good answers. So we'll see what uh, Mr. Standig comes back to once he um, kind of takes Alabama's Landon Dickerson news into account. And to be honest, it's really kind of surprising how little... um, things have changed. We haven't heard much by way of rumors or, you know, these boards haven't really changed all that much. I mean, it's the same kind of guys just kind of swimming in the same area, right? Right now, 29 um, on the consensus board is Zayvon Collins. Uh, You got Christian Barmore sitting here. You got Trayvon Morig sitting here. You got Kadarius Toney, Sam Cosme. It's the same batch. I mean, some of these guys have been up as high as like 25. Sometimes they've been as low as 35. Jalen Mayfield used to be higher and closer to the Packers, but he's still at 30, at 35. Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore, it's all the same, same stuff. And so the projected picks to the Packers kind of stay the same. I mean, you know, again, there are some surprises like Gregory Rousseau is falling. He may end up being in that range with the Packers pulled the trigger on him. Tevin Jenkins and Greg Newsom at this rate seem to be getting out of our range, right? Tevin Jenkins is all the way up to 22 now. Uh, Greg Newsome is up to 25. So, I mean, I, I wish there was more. I wish there was something, some kind of news, some kind of interesting thing, but there just isn't. It's kind of like the the draft community has kind of just gone dark as far as the teams have gone dark. And, um, I mean, there's not even a lot of smoke out there. The only thing interesting going on is that with the 49ers and, you know, they're just putting out the signal that uh, they're taking Mac Jones. It's like, all right, well, either you believe it or you don't. Okay, what else you got? Not, not much. I mean, I've I've seen, you know, the Giants may want to move back, the Falcons may trade out of the spot. Okay. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's just because nobody cares about football outside of the top 10, but um, there's not a lot. There's not a lot for us. There's not a lot interesting, which by the way, and I I, I don't have anything solidified as far as what I'm going to be doing for the stream, but it's exactly why you should be watching either my stream or somebody else's. Just, I understand they do a good job of production with, uh, you know, Goodell and, and all those guys, but... It is really painful to watch a lot of times because the only, they're so, it's almost like they hate the draft and they hate the NFL. You know, people that are really interesting. I remember I I had, I was doing my stream thing, but also Mark Jarvis was on doing his own stream. And I think day three, I just like, I'm not doing it. So I just basically watched him, I think. And you know, I mean, he, he has information about every single prospect. He's talking about every single prospect. It's almost as if he actually cares about each individual player. And each individual team and doesn't just have, you know, you know it's it's almost like the guys who are doing the broadcasting are, are completely casual fans. And I understand they're not. They're just catering to casual fans. But I'm so tired of the NFL catering to casual fans. It's so obnoxious. They only want to talk about quarterbacks. They only want to talk about the top team, whether that's the most interesting teams or just the teams that picked early. I mean, we're in round three. They're still going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence. I still remember a couple years back when I was listening to different podcasts and they're like, this, this draft is really boring. It wasn't boring at all. There just weren't like five quarterbacks in the first round. It was, a quarter, it was a light quarterback year, but it was stacked with like defensive talent, edge rushers. That's not boring. How is that boring? But unless you're like an elite wide receiver or a quarterback, they're, I mean, they're, they're just, they're, this is stupid. This is boring. Get another job. If you can't depreciate the draft, if you can't depreciate all thirty-two teams in every position on the field, go away. Oh, he drafted a guard. That's dumb. Let's go back and talk about uh, Justin Fields again. Let's talk about Trey Lance and his fit with you know. And they're just they're just obsessed. It's like once the the first ten picks are done, they're just they're cashed out. They're they're like whatever. And by the time you get to the next round, second, third round, oh, they don't they don't even announce the picks anymore. They'll be waiting for. An hour, two hours for the Packers to pick. It's like, here it comes, here it comes. And then then they don't announce it. And you just see a little ticker across. Packers select Bob Stinovich. Like, wh- wh- who's that? Hey, 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 television man. Wh- wh- who's this guy? Tell me about this guy. Bob was Who's that? And they're talking about, you know, hey, Jimmy from the second round, running back. He's going to be good because it's they got an offensive line. And he's a great running back. And I've watched a lot of film on him. Travis Etienne. We just picked somebody. You've talked about Travis Etienne seventeen times. Tell me about Bob Shurjovich. Who is he? Work with me here. Give me, give me five seconds of your time and tell me about the player that just got picked. Nope. They're not even going to acknowledge that this round exists. And then they're going to talk about some prospects. Parents who died. Probably a first-round guy whose parents died. And they, they, you know, they spent a week and about ten grand putting this video together. So we got to play it. So we're just going to ignore the entire fifth round. It's just, it's painful. It's so bad. It's so bad. I mean, if you want to watch their broadcast, and I'm going to obviously have it on because I need to see what's going on, but if you want to watch that broadcast for the first round, whatever. Fine. After that, useless. Just pathetic. Day two is is mediocre, but they still do that thing where they barely touch on, you know, they're still talking about first round prospects. They're still going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence. They're still going to be talking about that trade that happened. They're still going to be talking about their favorite teams. They're going to be talking about Pat Mahomes for some random reason. Obviously going to talk about Tom Brady 1,700 times and how Tampa Bay is going to be unstoppable regardless of who they pick because that's just how the media works. They just Sports media is just boring like that. So either way, I'm, I'm going to be doing a stream, and I would really appreciate you being there and hanging out with me because it's, it's just going to be fun anyways because I'll have the chat up and we can just talk about stuff. And guess what? When the Packers come up, we're going to talk about it. And yeah, if you're not a Packer fan, then I'm going to be just as bad as everybody else, because that's going to be my main focus. But it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Pretty excited about it. Got to figure out what's going on with the, the computer not working too good. It's not the computer, by the way. I'm not complaining about the computer. I think I, think I know what the issue is. I'm pretty sure. I think it's the same issue that I had when I t- tried to use some programs on my computer, and they didn't work because of this other monitor, and it's a whole thing. So I will get it figured out. I, it, it probably means I need to do some test streams for fun just to make sure that I got it fixed, because I can't plan on doing hours of streaming, and then um, it doesn't work like what happened last time. Anyways, I got a question from Zach uh, on Patreon. Pro tip, Zach. I'm I'm very proud of myself, because I remembered you sent this message to me, and I'm going to talk about it. Try to send it somewhere else, because this is always the last place I look. But I remembered. He says, you mentioned how the 49ers are trying to spread fake rumors about quarterbacks and the three spot. Got me thinking, and I think they already tried this, and it worked. In 17, they got the Bears to trade up from three to two by saying they have a ton of offers for the two spot. Bears took the bait and traded up one spot to draft Mitch. That was one of the greatest things ever. Because it came out almost immediately that they were lying. (laughs) Like, like nobody was calling about nothing, dude. But it is brilliant. And and it's one of those things kind of similar to what we're talking about, about just trying to get your guy to fall. What what is the what is the point? Well, why not? You got the Bears one spot behind you. You know who you're going to pick. You know they want a quarterback. So they're not going to take your guy. So we can get a ton of value if we can convince them that they need to come up and get their guy. So why not try it? Again, it's it's a long shot. There's really no reason to do it. It's all just fake rumors like why would you spread freak, fake 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 rumors about teams wanting to trade up? Doesn't make sense. And then you see it and it's like, "Oh." You lied to the Bears and they gave up value that they shouldn't have. They just basically donated a bunch of picks to you, and you got exactly the guy you were planning on drafting anyways. So they're pretty sheisty. Um He goes on to say maybe they actually have had offers. I don't know. Just something I thought of. So yeah, I mean, it it, it kind of it, it's a good reminder because it's like yeah, they they do that stuff. And 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 why? Listen, I understand you got a lot of work to do in rounds two, three, four, five, six, seven. But as far as the first round, you got no work to do. You know who you're picking. It's really just a matter of what can we do to make round one better. Because they're not they're not just content to sit there. They're going to try to find a way. They're going to try to work the media. They're going to try to work different angles to try to make sure things happen. Now, again, maybe it's true they just want Mac Jones, and that got leaked. And uh, they're like, oh, shoot, but I guess who cares? Because obviously the first two picks are not going to be my guys, so I, I guess I don't care. So maybe they are just kind of lax with that information because who cares? But it still wouldn't make a ton of sense, because even if there's like a 1% chance that that the Jets see that, and they're like, oh, maybe we want Mac Jones. What do you think about that? What do you think about that, huh? Which, again, is why it makes more sense, that they would be using that 1% chance to their advantage and then risking that 1% chance by just being lax with the information. And again, we know that's the other reason why it doesn't make sense that inform What quarterback you're going to pick in the first round got leaked. First of all, there's only probably one person, maybe two people on planet Earth who know who the 49ers are going to pick. You've heard stories about how the Green Bay Packers shut off communications with their own family. Brian Gutekunst does not talk to his brother. Matt LaFleur does not talk to his family. They don't tell their wife. They don't tell their kids. They don't tell their brother. They don't tell their, their, their priest. They don't tell their scouts, by the way. If they even know who they want, they do not tell their scouts. So even if there's, uh, I talk to a scout and he says that the Packers are really interested in this, no, 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 that's not what happened. The scouts said they liked this guy because there are scouts that can be kind of fast and loose. Again, there was that one incident where somebody overheard a Packers scout talking to a running back, I, b- I believe it was a Badgers running back, saying that they may be drafting as many as three or four running backs in that draft, and I think that was the year they got Jamal and um, Aaron Jones and somebody else. They didn't draft that running back. But apparently information had gotten out that they were looking to go heavy at running back. That went to the scout. The scout was talking to a prospect, and that information got leaked out. But if you're hearing from a scout that the Packers like so-and-so, that isn't necessarily true. That scout likes so-and-so. That could be the case. Some of these guys talk to the scouts, and the scouts divulge information. And then they'll pin that to the team. But Brian Gutekunst is not going to report back to the scouts and have a meeting and say, hey, by the way, we're targeting this guy. That's absolutely never, ever, ever, ever going to happen. So again, if we're saying the 49ers are going to draft uh, Mac Wilson because of some inside sources, the inside source is the GM. The GM told somebody and that somebody told people in the media. And I do not believe that happened. It's the same reason why it's absurd that, that some GM is going to leave pieces of paper out with trades and everything else on it. The, the level of secrecy is unbelievable. Most of these guys are, are not going to have any idea what's going on until the, the, the moment that they get there. I'm talking, you know, when these guys walk into the war room. I mean, granted, they, they build a board and everything else, that's at the very end of this process. So that's why I'm skeptical, and that's why I'm still sticking with um, Justin Fields to the 49ers. It just doesn't feel real that the GM would allow that information to slip out. Anyways, it's probably going to be a little bit of a short day because I got a late start, so why don't we take a break right here? We'll come back for some more stuff. Again, remember to invite your friends to the Facebook group. Make sure to invite them to Cheese and Packer's Facebook page. If you're not already in there, please get involved in that. If you want to support the podcast directly, you can go to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. That's $12 a year. You can even prepay it, and it's 10 bucks paid up for the whole year. got a goal of 15 more patrons by the start of the NFL season. So I'm hoping we can get there. But uh, anyways, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. So JJ asked if I could do a deeper dive on um, Greg Newsome because he's worried that's going to be the pick and he really doesn't like him. And I don't think it's a bad idea because the one thing I've said is there's a couple guys that I'm not super excited about and they're really the only guys that I would be somewhat disappointed in even though I could easily talk myself into it because, hey, if Gutekunst likes him and it's a position to need, fine. But the two guys that have come up consistently for me are Greg Newsome and uh, where's my boy at here? Um, Davion Nixon. Those are really the only two guys where I would be like, ah, oh, come on, anybody but those guys. And and really, it's it's kind of overblown. I just, it's one of those things where everybody gets so excited about them, and I look at it and it's like, Neh. But at the same time, if I do a side-to-side comparison with these guys and let's say a, a different second or third round prospect, I'd probably take those guys anyways. I just think I don't, I can't get into the hype as much, therefore I get negative about them, and then every time I see him, I just feel negatively about him. So why don't we do this? We'll try to get very, very excited. Let's try to understand, and some of you guys don't need this help, but I do. And by the way, if you need help getting excited about somebody, let's just do that. We've got seven days after today to just get excited about guys. Now, I fully understand most of these guys are not going to be very good football players, but let's try to get excited anyways, because I want, my goal over the next week is to make sure when the Packers make the pick, everybody listening to this channel, to this podcast, whatever you call this dumb thing, microphone, sendy device, station, Dot .com everybody jumps up and cheers i'd be happy with that right because again what have what have i always said about the off season? it's it's just it's all fake and it's a time where we just sit here and say you know this is the year every every fan base should just be saying this is the year and you get excited about the changes you get excited about the new players you you fantasize about you know this year we're going to have this and this guy's going to go over here and with this with this addition, oh my goodness it's going to be crazy i don't want the draft to happen and and, and to have everybody and and I shouldn't care about what everybody else thinks, but it would be nice if we didn't have to hear the national media put us down constantly. No, they did it again. Stupid draft. Burp, 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 And again, I know Brian Gutekunst could not care any less, and he's going to do what he think is, thinks is right. It would just be nice if what's right happens to coincide with uh, getting like an A minus grade in the draft. So we just so they just go away. Like I just want them to go away. I don't need the praise. Just don't don't because then I got to hear from other Packer fans who care what they think. They're going to hear Stephen A. Smith say it was the worst draft in the world and laugh, and then they're going to come at me like, Gutekus needs to be fired, because Stephen A. Smith says so. So let's start with Greg Newsome. Let's get a little fired up about Mr. Gregory Newsome. Again, he is flying up the boards right now. Um, He is currently 21st on PFF's big board. So as of right now, if you don't like Greg Newsome, the good news for you is that we're probably not going to even get a chance to get him because um, he's probably going to be long gone. Um, if by chance the Packers do pick him, first of all, you're getting a guy that everybody thought was, you know, like a top early 20 prospect. Um, one of the biggest dings against him is that he's very, you know, he was, he was good, but he was largely a, a a zone heavy guy. In other words, if you put him in man, he's probably going to struggle. That's not so much an issue for us. Now, if the Packers fire this defensive coordinator and go after a guy that's man heavy as that can be a problem, of course, but we don't have to really worry about that. So it should be a good fit. Let me read their overall deal here. It says, It may have been only six games and 387 snaps, but Newsom's 2020 season vaulted him up PFF's draft board. That's what happens when you only allow 12 catches on 34 targets and fewer than 100 yards all season. Which, look, I'm I'm not going to try to be negative, but come on now. You say all season after just saying six games. (laughs) I mean, it's still not bad, I guess. Figure an NFL season is 17 games, so if you extrapolate that. We're talking about 300ish yards, two between 250 and 300 yards for a season. That's pretty solid. At 6'1, 190, Newsom flashed a terrific all-around skill set. He made plays with breaks from off coverage as well as matching up in li- in the line of scrimmage in press man, which I thought you said he wasn't good at that. Anyways, we just wish we would have seen more snaps from him. He uh excused himself. He excused himself well against his best competition in Ohio State, but that was on only 17 coverage snaps before he left for the groin injury. Not a super big endorsement, but anyways, pros and cons, very patient zone eyes, not getting caught out of position, exceptional at playing deep to shallow, allowed only one catch on 15 targets of 10 yards in 2020. That's pretty important. Kevin King hasn't done the best job of of stopping big plays, which is supposed to be like the one thing he does really well, but we've seen a lot of times the dude just gets beat on just a massive play, like what, once every two or three games, there's like a 40-yarder that he gives up. Good length for the position, plays well at the catch point, feet that can dance, no clunkiness to his game, so he's smooth. Negatives, very little closing juice, not many plays athletically that open your eyes, a lot of sitting high on top of routes, saw very little legit wide receiver talent, which is common for all of college. Very few people get matched up against elite talent constantly. And then there's small frame. As far as how he graded out, especially against the competition, he graded out well above everybody else. He had an 83 overall coverage grade, which is solid. 35.3% 35.3% completion percentage, which is like 90th, 90-something percentile. His grade in man was 82.3. His grade in zone was an 85. He tied for 7th in all of college football, or excuse me, tied for 34th with 7 forced incompletions. completions. He runs a 4.3840, which again, speed is somewhat overrated, but it's not a terrible thing. The Packers do seem to like it. I mean, I know we got a different GM, but it's still the same core group, same core philosophy. Kevin King is a big guy with speed. Jair is a smaller guy with speed. 4'3'8 is blazing fast, especially for a guy, again, that's like six foot, six foot one, whatever he is. He's not Kevin King big, but he's fast. 88th percentile in terms of speed. His 10 yard split was 90th percentile. His vert uh, was 40 inches, which is 91st percentile. His bench, even for being a smaller frame guy, 18 reps, 85th percentile. So there's some strength there. Three cone and short shuttle weren't um, as great. Another kind of important thing is although he hasn't really been a super elite prospect. He's never really been all that bad. If you even go back to 2019, he had one game in which his coverage grade was bad. That was Indiana Week 10. If you go back over his entire three-year career, there's only two games. If you go back to 2018, his game against the championship game against Ohio State, he had a 42 overall coverage grade. Now, he lives in the high 50s, low 60s every single week, which is why I don't want to spend a first-round pick on him necessarily because you'd like to see that better. But he doesn't ever really have a bad great uh, outside of those two and then obviously in 2020 is when you started to see that that breakout instead of you know just like 60s all the time and, and 50s you had a 71 against Nebraska which is his first week of 2020 two weeks later against Wisconsin 90.1 the next week Michigan State 80.1 then against Ohio State which again that was one of the ones where which he really struggled two years later he comes back and gets a 66 which isn't great but it's not terrible in the last two weeks of, of the season, he didn't allow a single target completion, nothing. In fact, the last, geez, it's pretty locked down. Week 12, 13, 15, and then the championship game, six targets, one reception, five targets, no reception, zero targets, zero reception, zero targets, zero receptions. So the last four weeks that he played, we're talking 11 targets, one reception for seven yards and a pick and four pass breakups. So something clicked in this man's brain. And really, I mean, there was really just one game that statistically wasn't great, and that was against Purdue, Uh, 14 targets, 7 receptions for 59 yards and a pass breakup. But if we just eliminate that one game, the only other game that he played all season was against Nebraska, 9 targets, 4 receptions, 27 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but 2 pass breakups. The guy had a ton of pass breakups. I mean, we're talking, what did he play, 6 games, he had 7 pass breakups? That's a lot. No touchdowns all season, which again is a massive improvement. 2018, he had 4 touchdowns given up no interceptions, three pass breakups. 2019, one touchdown, no interceptions, five pass breakups. So pass breakups are going up, touchdowns are going down. Then 2020, he gets his first interception, seven pass breakups, not a single touchdown given up, and not even hardly any yards given up. And these are not small schools. Nebraska, Purdue, which Purdue, we're talking about a first-round prospect. Wisconsin, Michigan State, Illinois, and Ohio State. And I can't even really pull up any stats on Ohio State uh, Illinois or Michigan State as far as like who he matched up against because they only have um have you listed on there with your grade and your stats if you were targeted and he wasn't targeted once in his last three games so I'd have to go back I mean we could look at Purdue which again was his one kind of bad game of the whole year he was uh, David Bell was the wide receiver that kind of quote-unquote lit him up I guess 11 targets five receptions 52 yards against David Bell his one pass breakup cave against David Bell though so I mean, I guess you'd have to go back and actually watch those games, like against Ohio State, to see who we matched up against. But that's solid. When in, in in the most important game you're playing all year, you don't give up a single reception. That's that's fantastic. And you know they got good wide receivers. You know they got a good quarterback. So if you ain't playing right, they're gonna carve you up. He didn't allow nothing. As far as my man Davion Nixon, um, couple things about him. First of all, he is falling down the boards. Uh pretty rapidly so he's starting to fall into what I would call more reasonable territory in fact PFF has him as a fourth round prospect so I guess that's not a ringing endorsement of of what happens if we take him in the first because according to the consensus board he's a second round prospect but one of the things I wanted to highlight here was one of the positives they put for Davion Nixon which isn't really a positive it's just more of an excuse but it says there were a lot of scheme rushes where he occupied gaps that hurt his efficiency numbers in other words one of the problems I have with him is that his numbers as far as as pressure percentage are very low. But if there's a lot of scheme rushes where he's his job is to essentially help free somebody else up, you're not going to be getting to the quarterback on that play. So if there's a different scheme that rather than using him to help somebody else get somewhere, but actually gives him opportunities, one-on-one opportunities to get after somebody, what does that actually do for him? On top of that, if he's just really good at getting Kenny Clark open, I also don't mind that. They go on to say he's got really, really quick feet. Special quick feet is the way that they put it plays the position violently, lights up offensive linemen when penetrating on stunts, stout, explosive base, plays bigger than listed weight. I mean, the only thing that can kind of get me excited about him is that the way that they're describing him kind of reminds me of Mike Daniels. He's a bigger guy, for sure, 6'3", 313. I think Mike was like, what, foot 190 or something? But a guy that's maybe not the most athletically gifted, maybe not doesn't have the greatest stats in the world, but it's just a violent workhorse. Biggest thing they say about him is that he's very inconsistent, Uh, They said if you catch his Northwestern game where he had four sacks and six run stops, you might think he's a first-rounder. If you catch his Minnesota game where he had two hurries and no run stops, you might not even draft him in day two. Very solid all-around profile without a lot of weaknesses to his game. At the same time, there also wasn't a lot of dominance outside of that game and obviously overmatched Northwestern's offensive line, which is a little worrisome. Now again, this is not a stacked defensive line class, so I don't have this big list of guys I'd rather have instead of Davion Nixon. It's a pretty weak group. It just is statistically and otherwise, I don't know that there's one guy that's, that's you know, a lock even first round. I, I know, generally speaking, you're saying Christian Barmore is, but right now on the consensus board, he's 27th. Is it impossible that he slides to 33? No. I don't think he is, but I'm just making a point that it's just, it's not a, a massively good group. And for a team that needs a defensive tackle, if we miss out on Barmore and Levi and Wuzurike, I'm kind of just wide open on who we pick. And that's not a terrible pick. Again, a guy that's just consistent he's mean, he's violent, he's got some potential because of his feet, because of his strength. I'm not going to be mad. First round pick, probably not going to be super excited. If we get him in the third round, I'm good with it. Anyways, again, this is a short episode. I'm already 12 minutes past when I was supposed to be done, so I do have to wrap this up. If you've got any other guys that you're not excited about and want to try to get excited about, I'll do my best. No promises. But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.